Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good evening and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And I'm Pete Coleman from the Bohemian podcast. Today we're going to talk about theurgy, thaumaturgy, the debate of magic versus science, a bunch of things here, but we've been holding off on this show for a while simply because there are too many related areas of like philosophy, theology, and occult that have to do with what we're going to talk about, and it's just too much to have this show in a vacuum. It would have been way too long, but... Now we have enough basic understanding from other shows like like the Kabbalah episode, Hermeticism. We've covered those. I think we're ready enough to talk about theurgy and thaumaturgy by themselves. And at the center of what we're going to talk about is, again, this kind of debate on whether alchemy somehow involved magic. Was it purely a natural process? And opinions on this varied vastly. Before we get into the different views on alchemy... Let's get through some definitions first. Well, Travis, let's take a look at the word thaumaturgy. Thaumaturgy can be thought of as a sort of magic, if you will. Uh, to some folks, to keep this in mind, it, you know, throughout history, mathematics could have been thought of a sort of a magic uh, sort of operation as yeah. well. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But you, you can, it, this can be held sort of hand in hand with Kabbalistic theories. As, like, like math. Uh, yeah, yeah, very much like math, sure. mathematics. Uh, in its simplest definition, thaumaturgy can uh, be thought of as performing miracles. There's a strong th- theological aspect to it all. And if you're religious, you probably wouldn't think of someone who does th- thaumaturgy as a magician or a thaumaturgist. You probably would call them a wonder worker or a miracle creator. Yeah. Um, like a saint performing miracles through God's help even. That's or, thaumaturgy. Exactly. Yeah. Or, maybe, or maybe the belief of healing by the laying on of hands. Thaumaturgy. Sure. Yeah, so it comes from the Greek words thama, meaning like miracle or marvel, and ergon, meaning work. So really, like miracle worker, yeah. Um, John D. anglicized the word, and D, again, was also a mathematician, among many, many other things. And, you know, mathematics, especially in his definition, could be the layman's miracles. Think of like the the occult following that Pythagoras had, for instance. So it's kind of in that vein. Um, And yeah, like, you know, Kabbalah has a mathematical aspect to it. So it's kind of in that vein that, that if mathematics can be seen as something to do with the occult or magic, thaumaturgy definitely fits the bill. It's just, if if we talk of Kabbalistic alchemists, for instance, which, you know, we, we did in a previous podcast and we'll, we'll touch more about that in future shows, an understanding of thaumaturgy can help to understand that. There's just a correlation. We're not saying Kabbalah is thaumaturgy, because it's not. Um, but theosophy, and we'll define that in a little bit later, it, You know, there, there's just a lot of correlation between alchemists that were Kabbalist or thought of themselves as such and thought of themselves as, as thaumat- thaumaturgists or um, had to do with theosophy. 
there's just a correlation. It just, it just you know, you can kind of talk about magic or occult in general, um, but we're kind of trying to break that apart a little bit. So when we talk about certain alchemists, we know what we're talking about. You know, Travis, you mentioned that there's a connection to the re- religious background to this. But there also is a re- uh, re- religious connection to the terminology that we're going to uh, approach right now, which is theurgy, uh, which is perhaps related in many ways, but thought as, as more of a way to connect with God himself. When Christians fast or pray to get God's favor, that's theurgy. Um, so if, if it's, it's a rain dance or if it's a sacrifice, we can consider it to be in that circle of, of, of uh, yeah. knowledge. Some kind of ritualistic thing you do to communicate with God, ask for God's help. So yeah, and you know, we talk we talk of alchemy here, but theurgy is important aspect of Neoplatonic alchemists as well. Yeah, definitely. Like in, in Neoplatonism, theurgy was a form of meditation to be closer to God. We've mentioned that a bunch because God Himself was unobtainable; He was just too distant, and. Uh, not like in Christian theology, for instance. God was, was far out there in Neoplatonism. So we talked about this in several shows. Alchemists contemplating God in the lab, for instance, and med- meditating over their incubator. Okay, That's theurgy, for instance. Another reason I combined them both together in one show is that theurgy isn't just praying for like a better crop and hoping – um, for instance, the Neoplatonist Iamblichus and other Neoplatonists thought that theurgy was strong enough of a force to do things like make statues talk. So to some, clearly in the realm of magic, right? If you're praying and a, st- statue, a statue starts talking, that's magic. It, I mean, from one, at least in one definition of the word. To other people, um, theurgy would not be magic. It's just talking to It's just praying. You know, it's there's nothing magical about praying in a different definition. So it, it's that's why we're defining the word. It could have various meanings to di- various groups. Travis, I, maybe I could ask this question really quickly about this, about the connection. Would people actually draw this magical connection to some of the "quote unquote" miracles that happen when statues of the uh, Mother Mary would would weep blood, or or maybe there might be some kind of uh, some kind of divine sort of intervention with yeah. inanimate objects. So here's here's the difference: is that thaumaturgy or theurgy, you are doing something through God or with God's help. If if a Virgin Mary statue starts crying by herself, you didn't ask for that to happen. Ah, I see. You, okay. That's that's a miracle directly from God. So that's just plain. That's just a miracle. Whereas if there's a cause if, and effect in what yeah, you're talking if, about here, if you say I'm going to make that statue cry, that's thaumaturgy because you're not doing it. You're doing it through God's help. It's like you could say in the New Testament that um, if Paul or Peter healed somebody, that's thaumaturgy. If God healed somebody, then he was just that's a miracle. So it is a miracle, but. You know, you're not doing it. You're doing it because you have faith in God. Well, it's basically, you know, it's basically asking for divine intervention, like you said, yeah. Travis. Whereas uh, thaumaturgy is is more like asking for God's power to create miracles yourself. So let, let's throw uh, this uh, theosophy into this as well. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, this is a wisdom received from God, maybe on the nature of God, for all we know, and could be through Kabbalah, for instance. Yeah, as an example. All right, or, or through probably uh, divination. Yeah. Reading teacup leaves, astrology—that's all. That all falls under theosophy. Well, sure. this kind of goes into one of our one of our favorite characters on this show, Edward Kelly. Supposedly got on an alchemical recipe from uh, the angels that he was talking to. 
Yeah. Right? Remember we talked about that in a few mm-hmm. podcasts ago, which, which he did using theology and, and Gosha, which is summoning angels or, and or demons. Yeah. Right? They would pray and fast before using their scrying glass to summon the angels. Yeah. So, there, so that's just an example that um, when I was reading on Edward Kelly, it kind of involves a bunch of things here. So praying and fasting is theurgy. Okay? Gosha is summoning angels. It could also mean summoning demons, but in his case, summoning angels. Or black magic. Yeah, but in his case, they clearly believed they were summoning angels. And um, then theosophy in the sense that these angels told him an alchemical recipe. So that is knowledge he got from God or from angels in this case. So you see in, in one example to you know fast and pray, theurgy, summon angels, Goetia, and then knowledge they got from the angels, theosophy. So I think we've kind of defined the words and given an example, but we we talked about theosophy in our hermeticism episode, and you know we're just kind of trying to tie it all together here. And well, also in, in our Kabbalah episode, when we also talked about the Kabbalistic methods uh, to find hidden meanings within things, right? Or yeah. finding or finding uh, something hidden within the scriptures itself, um, even divinely inspired scriptures that are all examples of theosophy. Yeah. So. In fact, Kabbalah is a good example of theosophy mixed with mathematics. So in that case, mathematics clearly has some kind of a divine uh, influence. So yeah, yeah, Kabbalah is a good example of theosophy, for instance. So when we when we bring it back to alchemy, there there's a debate that's saying, so was alchemy done through magic or some sort of divine intervention? So when you're talking about magic in that sense, you're not talking about like sympathetic magic necessarily or, or um, some other vague sense of magic, but you're talking about like theurgy or thaumaturgy. So like magic, but through God's will. Um, So is alchemy done through magic? Is it done through some sort of divine intervention? These are debates that happened. Or was it just imitating some natural process, which that could be something akin to science, right? Like we have philosophers and alchemists uh, who debated on these topics for centuries and the full dis- discourse would cover books and books and books. So let's just kind of distill this all down to, uh, you know, just get it down to the minutia, if we can. First, we had people that would argue whether transmutation is even possible. Examples on both sides would would all be given, of course, quoting Avicenna and Aristotle, to, to name a few. Yeah, I mean, this was, like you said, this went on for centuries. So so the this debate would kind of, centuries, it actually, this this debate lasted for more than a millennium. So there's there's a lot of arguments pro and con whether transmutation is even possible. On one side, it could be argued that alchemy is an art, and like art, it imitates nature, and therefore the gold created is not really gold. So even if you had, this would be argued that even if you can't tell the difference, if this alchemical gold passes all the tests, it still wouldn't have, like, let's say, the healing effects, for example, that people thought that gold had. So, so something would differentiate it from the actual natural gold, okay? On the other hand, people would give examples of transmutations carried out by humans all, all the time uh, with the help from nature. A farmer planting seeds to raise crops, people burning ferns uh, and, to ash, and I guess uh, even add, add sand into this to create glass. Those are some examples given uh, where humans are using nature in a way to transmutate one thing to another. Yeah. So, and there was a bunch of examples given on about that in this debate. That of course transmutation is possible. You uh, we see it in everyday life. Yeah. You yeah. make some dough. You stick it in an oven. Bam. Bread. Transmutation. Bam. Magic. 
you know, so like it might be easier just to, it sounds kind of a given up to but, say that it's but, so simplistic. Though. But like say, but that those were the examples given. Like let's say fern to glass. Okay, you have a plant and then it becomes glass. Of course, that's possible. We know it is. Is that transmutation? I mean, it's you know, plant matter to glass. Why would it be any different to say plant matter to gold? I mean, you know. Oh, now, can, we, can we even can we even go? And they probably wouldn't have known this at the time, but can we even say that fossil fuels that were once uh, you know fauna from a millennia or from from millions of years ago or animal uh, decayed animal would be turned into um, a combustible well yeah you know, fuel if you make synthetic oil yeah so that's yeah so so oil is created over millennia over millions of years even. Uh, in the natural world, but it, we can create synthetic oils. So is that transmutation? Sure. I mean, so these these are, I mean, obviously, in retrospect, we can look back and say, well, this is possible because of this, and this is not possible because of this. But, but the, you know, that's the that's the arguments they used. And to us, it would, yeah, some of them would seem kind of simplistic, sure. Like a farmer planting a crop, is that transmutation? Well, it's an argument they used. Um, but alchemists would often... But not always, and depending on the time period, would try to stay clear of the reputation of being a sorcerer. And we, we saw this many, many times. Oh, that was a, sometimes a death sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they would insist that in a lab, they're replicating the natural process in which the earth transmutates different metals into higher ones. There's no magic involved at all. And this was generally trying to avoid the powers that be that, you know, didn't like sorcery. So they would say, no, no, this is all, you know, it's like cooking cooking in a kitchen. I'm not doing any magic here. I'm just, you know, mixing ingredients and, and calcinating it and sublimating it and distilling it and bam, gold. So in this way, the furnace and sulfur and mercury were thought to be kind of a replication of what happens in nature. And, and the people that you know, we're trying to escape this reputation would be very ardent about this. So, but, but then we also have people in the camp that insist that gold can only be created with God's help. And we yep. see this a lot. You know, so in, in a way that, that this is at least theurgy. Uh, the recipe itself can be uh, gotten from theosophy. Edward Kelly got a recipe from angels, right. for example. Yeah. Uh, we saw in Zosimos of Panopolis the, in that episode that the higher beings did find a way to help. So that it's just a matter of astronomy uh, to determine whether it's God or not, or the demons that are helping you out. Yeah, yeah. Zazamos was like, someone higher than you is helping, so do it at this time of year, so you get God's help. Otherwise, you're getting demons' help. So, which that that could be bad. So that kind of gets us to a, a summarization of the debate between magic versus nature, Travis. Yeah. So again, so it was debated whether transmutation was possible at all whether it was possible to create something real or only an imitation. So art was used as, as, as an example here, you know, that if, if, and this went back to Greeks, that if you're creating art, you're not creating the real thing, you're just you're creating a mere, mere image of the thing. Um, you're, you're creating a clone, you're creating a form, not the, you know, this is like, this goes back to like platonic or neoplatonic like forms versus, you know, the actual thing that you see. And then, it was debated whether the transmutation was possible without God's help and will. Some thought, many would say that that if your recipe failed, that's because God didn't want it to work. So that was kind of also a, a defense that charlatans could use, but, you know, hey. That was her escape and, route. <laughs> yeah, and then there were always those who knowingly made fake gold and tried to sell it as something else. But even leaving charlatans out, 
out of this for a minute, the genuine belief and arguments for or against alchemy varied vastly over the centuries. So we need to kind of put this in perspective here, Travis. Was the gold created genuine or by an imitation? Was the alchemical dabbling with evil forces or done by the pious with the will of God? Or were people imitating nature and therefore simply perfecting, perfecting a certain science? Yeah. So, I mean, the answers to those questions are more various than the number of alchemists will probably ever cover on this show. There's just, you know, this is a millennia of debate and, and everybody had their input. But these are very interesting questions to ask about each person we discuss in our show. So each person, we, could, we can see their stance and their viewpoint on where they fall on this debate of, like, magic versus science. Um, is this done with the help of God, or can you do this on your own? Um, you know, are you creating real gold, or are you creating a damn good replica? Um, these, all alchemists had a different viewpoint. I mean, we, like, like the Chinese alchemists we talked about even, um, who doesn't fall in this direct line of, of history in, in uh, like, Egyptian Greek alchemy. But, you know, he, was, he didn't lie about it at all. He's saying you're creating a very good imitation. Uh, it has the same health benefits, but it's not actually gold. So, you know, some people didn't lie about that. Some people maybe deluded themselves thinking that they were creating real gold because it just, it just passed all the tests. So throughout the span of alchemy, these questions were at the center of the debate of its merits, and I think spending some time on the subject should clarify how alchemy was viewed through its history. Well, Travis, I think, I think this is a, a good episode in the sense that it kind of combines a lot of our other previous episodes, uh, but yet doesn't get away from the core issue of, of talking about, uh, you know, can, can this transmutation be done? Can this be done through God's help or God's will? Um, you know, we also have to look at this as the sign of the times when when these particular alchemists were living in these certain times because they had to play ball with either a, a potentate or a, or an emperor uh, so they weren't burned alive at the stake or also burned alive at the stake from the church so it, it is it is a, a kind of a thin line that they got to walk uh, but I think if you were to add in a little bit of the science uh, it kind it kind of would cover your butt yeah if we can use that in a twenty first century term yeah. That's, that's pretty much it for this show. I want to make one little announcement here, and that is that um, both Bohemican and History of Alchemy were in a collage show. A, pod, a History Podcasters collage show. Yep, which you can find on the historypodcasters.com, and then click podcast. And the, the first series was called Unsung Heroes, and in that very first episode, you'll find um, great podcasters, like uh, Jamie Redfern, who did the Arab Spring and a history, a history of Alexander the Great, uh, history of Hannibal, um, Peter Adamson, who did history of philosophy without any gaps, Benjamin and Adam Ashwell, who do talking history, the Italian unification, us, um, and the first episode we did uh, the Bohemian podcast, great, great I believe. Show. Yeah, yeah, we had, we had a great. Our unsung hero for Bohemian podcast was Yar Zimmerman, of there course. There you go, yep. the very famous Czech uh, uh, mythical man. Yeah, and uh, Zach. Twamley, who did uh, When Diplomacy Fails, all great shows. And so you, you have kind of 10-minute snippets of each show on this collage. And uh, in episode two, there will be a 10-minute episode of History of Alchemy. So stay tuned for that. Again, that's at historypodcasters.com and click on podcast. All right. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks. Have a good night. You've been listening to the History of Alchemy podcast with Travis Dow and Pete Coleman. For more information about this episode, other episodes, and other information about alchemy, alchemists, and related subjects, visit historyofalchemy.com.
Find us on iTunes, subscribe, review, and don't forget to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, ideas, and corrections to podcast at historyofalchemy.com or get in touch via Facebook on the History of Alchemy podcast page or Twitter at Alchemy Podcast. Tune in to our sister podcast all about the Czech Republic, Bohemican, which is also available on iTunes or on bohemican.com. Until next time on the History of Alchemy podcast, thank you for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.